This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. Ezra, because we're not gonna we're not gonna try to get into everything that we did this morning. That's what was this morning was for. But we wanna because we wanna. I wanna. I want you all to. We're gonna just go over a few things for continuity of thought. But I want you all to stay in the mind frame of what we're teaching, so that we can flow out of that. Amen. In the book of Ezra, we we understood that it's a companion book to Nehemiah. And we saw what God had given him and and placed it on his heart to go back in and bring worship back into Jerusalem as Nehemiah was building the wall. And we said, we one of the things that we have to know and we have to understand in where we are right here, right now as a ministry, God always has preparation for his people, especially when he's about to move. And preparation takes time. And, it, and you have to be on point with preparation. You don't rush God because you, you can't rush God. God is going to do what God is going to do. But the preparation is now for us. And it's all, he's always done that. All through the scripture, there's always a preparation before he executes. And then we said the preparation is a choice. So you have to, be, you have to make a choice if you want to be prepared. Uh, pre, uh, uh, prepared for God's next move. You want to be already ready. You make that choice. If God gives you a choice, God is not going to force you. He's not going to make you. You make the choice. Preparation is a choice. And I told you, if you don't choose to prepare, you won't be prepared when God moves. When He moves, you'll sit and you'll watch everybody else doing what God has called them to do, but you won't be prepared so you can't move. It's not that you don't want want to. You can't move because you have to all you have to be have a time of preparation, amen. And and this is the thing: in the time of preparation, don't blow it off and get get distracted and get to doing everything but what you're supposed to. Stay focused in the time of preparation. I don't care how long it takes. Stay focused. Stay where you are. Stay, keep your mind frame where it needs to be. Because preparation is sometimes hard. What we're, what's happening today, tonight, is a hard thing for us. But it's all a part of the preparation. It's all a part of what God is doing. You're here now. Now, God had me minister this because He said, you're ready for it. Now, before you wasn't, He said, you're ready for it. Whether you like it or not is not the question. Or the thing about it is you're ready for it. You're ready to do this. You can do this. Are you following me? And then I told you that we want to see results without be, uh, uh, doing the unseen work. Because preparation is the unseen work. It's an unseen work. And we want to get, we want things to be done. We want to do things without going through the preparation. And that was one thing about our founding pastor. He would always, he was very slow to move on everything because he always knew that it took preparation. A lot of times I would try to rush him to do things or rush him to, to do something, even in ministry. And he would always just look at me and he'd look like, yeah, I understand what you're saying, but no, nope, we're not doing that now. Because he, he believed in that. He believed in preparation. He believed in you being on point so that you can know what to do. And I'm seeing like, let's just get it done. Let's just get it done. No, preparation, and that's what God is showing us. Preparation is important. We said preparation for us begins on the inside. Preparation begins in, in the places that nobody sees. Nobody but you and God. 
That's what God is dealing with tonight. All he's dealing with is things that's going on with you that nobody knows but you and him. I don't care what somebody next to you across the uh, sanctuary thinks or whatever. It doesn't even matter. God is dealing with you about what only you and he knows. It's an unseen thing. Then I told you that we must prepare our hearts for God's next move. Our heart, the heart is the whole matter. God is looking for people with the right heart to get done what he needs to get done. And then I told you you have to be ready before God needs you. You can't get ready when it's the time for him to need you. You have to get ready before. Before God wants to use you to do something, you have to already be ready. Don't try to step up and so many people, they just, oh yeah, I can do that. Oh yeah, I can do that. They want to do it. But you're not ready. You got to be ready beforehand. And then you have to be patient. Because as you're getting ready, that's going to be the hard work that you have to get done. Because before God releases you to do what he needs you to do, you need to be prepared. Amen? And we, we went over, we read Ezra, we're not going to do that. Then I told you preparation is the key to being used by God. If you're not a person that want to be prepared, if you're not a person that don't have the patience to be prepared, to go through things, to you know, when you're being prepared, you might have to go through review, correction, direction. you got to go through all that. Now, if you get offended in the midst of that, you're going to stop your preparation right there. Because now I'm offended. But it, it's all a part of the preparation. A lot of times, different things that go on, God's going to deal with you right there. You're ready to just call it quits in there and God's like, yeah, you couldn't even make it through the preparation. That's like saying, okay, I'm going to work out because I'm going to, you know, I'm going to try out for this team and everything. And then the coach shouted at you and you got mad and you want to quit the team. Well, the, he's trying to correct you with something. And you, you, don't, you don't quit because your coach shouted at you. You don't quit because the instructor is trying to give you instruction and just say, you know what, I'm just giving up. You, know, you know, they don't talk to me that way. I'm, no, God is going to correct you in the midst of preparation. Be okay with that. You have to be okay with that. I had to be okay with that. You have to be okay with that. Then I told you that the intent of this teaching is to challenge our heart condition. All of us, every one of us in here have to look at our heart condition. Uh, when, when your heart is not right, let me tell you, you will not, be, you will not stand for preparation. You will not, you will not. You can't, you can't take it because your heart is not right. Because it's a lot of things that entails in preparation. There's a lot of things going on. When people are cooking food and they do the prep work, it's a lot of little things go on before you get that little plate full of, full of food. They do a prep work. They do a lot of prep work. And it's more than the cooking. It's, all of, it's a lot of things to do. This is that. It's the prep work. It's things that's going to be taken out, put in. There's different things that's going to be adjusted. Some's got to be, some is going to be, oh, it's a little in, it's a little out. You have to be okay with that. And you have to know when God take it out, he said, that don't go with that. And it can't go in this recipe any longer. You got to let it go. Are you following? Then we said the work of restoration requires everybody to have a good heart. Not two or three of us in the ministry. Not four or five of us. Everybody at Church of the Living Water, we have to have a good heart. We have to. If, if we're going to do what's right toward God and we're going to answer His call and we're going to be on the front line, we must already have a good heart. We say, okay, Father, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm getting rid of this stuff. 
Then we said, if our heart is not right, we cannot manifest the love of God. I, I don't care what you say and how you say it. There's no way that you can love and have a bad heart. No. That's, it's not love that you're doing. You can't. It's, no, you can't do it. Then I gave you the purpose. I said the purpose is for us to focus our attention on the work. See, once you're prepared, you know what you're getting prepared for. So you focus because I know what's coming down the line. I know what God has for me. I know what God has called me to. See, you got to be serious about ministry. You got to be serious about this church. You got to be serious about your call. You got to be serious about God's work. You got to be serious about living holy. You got, I told you this morning, you have to make it up in your mind. I gotta live holy. I gotta have a standard. I gotta have a stamp that when somebody looks at me, they want to live like me. Are you with me? <coughs> That's very important. A standard. We have to have a standard. Some things you just can't do because of your standard. Some people don't understand. You know, and, and a lot of people don't understand me. And, you know, it, it doesn't matter that people don't understand me. I'm not trying to make people understand me. Because people that have callings on their life, nobody in the world is going to understand them. A lot of saved people won't understand them. A lot of lay people won't understand them. Because there's a difference. There's a difference because your calling calls you. That's why it's called a calling. Amen. So we need to focus. Then I said I have a simple goal, and I said it's to establish the will of God in us and in this ministry. We want to establish the will of God in us and in this ministry. See, it needs to be established in us as well and in the ministry. Amen. And then I said it's going to be for the next few weeks. We're going to we're going to deal with seven uh, different subjects. I counted them. I just said several down, but now I counted them, so it's going to be seven. But I said the first one is how to restore our hearts. And that's what we began with this morning. And we're going to finish up with this evening. Then number two, we said how to change our hearts. Oh, that's going to be good too. And then we said how to have a heart to obey. Now that's the thing. Having a heart to obey. Mm. If you have a heart to obey, you will obey. Did you hear me? If, if you have a heart to obey... There will be nothing stopping you from obeying. See, I didn't say if you had a verbal saying that you want to obey, that won't keep you. I don't, I'm not saying vocalizing that I'm going to obey. That means nothing. But if you have a heart to obey, come what may, you will obey. It, nothing will stop you from obeying if you have a heart to. But you have to have a heart to. That's a whole nother thing. Then we said that you'll have uh, how to have, the fifth one was how to have a heart to restore the, no, no, no. The number four said how to prepare our heart to minister. And I told you we all have the answers in this church. We have an answers to everybody's problems. We can, we can minister, but we want to get to a point where we know how to minister where people receive. There's a difference. When you minister to someone and they receive it, you've done the work of the Lord. But you have to know how to do that. And a person with a good heart can do that. But a person that does not have a good heart, you can tell, 
That's why you hear people say, I was telling them the same thing, and they didn't hear me, and you said it, and they act like Jesus said it. The difference is, one ministered, and they received it, and you didn't know how to minister, even though it was the same information. There's a difference. And, and let me tell you, when you hear that, know it has to do with your heart. Because remember, I told you, it doesn't have any different, anything to do with whether I'm smarter than you, or I know more than you, or I've been with the Lord more than you. We have the same information. So why is it that they can receive from me and can't receive from you? It's a heart issue. Now you know why. You don't have to say, well, they did all. They just wanted to hear from somebody. No, no, no. It's a heart issue. But thank God you're in this ministry, and thank God if you keep coming, you're going to learn how to minister where every time you minister, they'll receive. I don't care if they receive it and, and, and don't do it. They're going to receive it. But, but we got to do the hard work first. <laughs> That's coming up. And then we said uh, we need to be taught how to have a heart to restore our brother and our sister. Now, that's restoration. We're, we're going to come off of trying to save everybody else, and we see a brother or sister in this ministry overtaken in the fault, and we, don't want, we, we, we can't minister to them. We don't, we don't want to be a people that can minister to the lost, but can't minister to one another when we're overtaken in the fault. Okay? And then number seven, how to have a heart to be one. And that's very, very important. Then I told you to go to Matthew chapter 6. Go there and, and, and wait there for me because that's where we're going to pick up. But let me just get through with a few more things. And then I told you that we're going to start talking about how to restore our hearts. And so we began on that and we started talking on that. And then I told you that the Holy Spirit is going to help you in every area. We'd let you know that He is a helper, not a doer. He's not going to do what you have to do. You have to do some things, but He will help you. He is a helper. He's a director. He's the one that's going to lead and direct you. So, so if that's the case, it's imperative that everyone in this ministry be full of the Holy Ghost. Did you hear me? It's imperative that everyone in this ministry be full of the Holy Ghost. Now, we're going to have to do, and, and I'm going to require some extensive teaching from the ministers and myself on being filled with the Holy Spirit. Because it is very important that you be full of the Holy Spirit. And you cannot be fearful of this. Get out of your head the tongues and, uh, am I going to start teaching Let me tell you, the Holy Spirit is a perfect gentleman. He's not going to make you do nothing you want to. You're not going to just start talking on and, and uh, uh, just babbling on and not know what you're doing. And I would just, I've heard people testify that. Oh, when I got filled with the Holy Ghost, my mouth just started talking. I couldn't stop. I couldn't stop. Well, that, that doesn't sound like the Holy Spirit that I know. Now, that sounds like a spirit, but not the Holy One. Because if God, uh, the Holy Spirit is a perfect gentleman. He's never going to make you out of control. You're not going to dive off the balcony. You're not going to do any of that. You're not going to do... Uh, people just act like, oh, God, I, when I got filled, I mean, I laid on the floor. You know, uh, no, no, it's not any of that. See, when you get that, then people are afraid of the Holy Spirit. And then they live... They're saved, but they lack so much. Why? Because they miss so much. Because the best power in being filled with the Holy Spirit, it gets you beyond the natural state. In your prayer life, 
in your ability to understand, in your, I mean, in, in making decision, your de- decision-making process, all of it, it'll take you further. Now, naturally, you can do some things, but being filled with the Holy Ghost is going to take you to a whole other realm. And you need to not be fearful of it. And yes, we are going to talk about speaking in tongues when being filled with the Holy Ghost, but that's nothing to fear. How are you going to fear a gift from God? And I can understand because of different teachings and wrong teachings, but that's why you're in a balanced church. Amen. And then we said that um, you're not going to able to uh, properly pray for your children if you have ought against faults that they have committed. And you know what? We all had to laugh about that. We, I mean, but we, we, we have to come to, to, a, to, to understand that. You, we cannot, you're going to have to let it, every, all of that go because it'll get, it's in your heart. Let me tell you, children are going to be children. Adult children, any kind of children. They're, they're just going to be children. And you're going to have a situation with a... My son laughed because they said, what do you say, Mama? Nobody's exempt, baby. I said, that's right. Nobody is exempt. If you ever think somebody's exempt from it, you're foolish. You weren't. No child, I don't care how cute they are, how sweet they are, and how innocent they are. Look, that's them little sinners, listen. They are going, they are going to give you a challenge. And they might fail in different areas. Or they might fall in different areas. But you can't hold on to that. You got to just say, okay, that was them. That was that. But let them deal with what they walked into, died into, fell into, or whatever. But you got to go on. You cannot dwell on it and say, you know what, I'm just so... Uh, they just messed up. I don't want to have nothing else to do with them. I don't, you know, I just can't. No. We, 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 you can't. Because then when you begin to pray for your children, I'm telling you, you're going to throw up a prayer, but it's not going to go anywhere because your heart's not right. Your heart has to be right. Now, when I say that, because, you know, I have to say this because, now, for some of us in here, we, we understand what I'm saying. I'll say something like this, and then now nobody's correcting their children. They're like, oh, because I don't want to do that. No, you still correct your children. You still, you still put them on the right track. You still charge them up on all that. We're talking about holding something in your heart because they didn't do something the way you, did, you wanted them to. Let me tell you, they got to pay for that bill. Don't you worry about it. What are you all frustrated about? You're free. And especially when they become adult children. You're free from it. And God wants you to be free. Now we're going to start the information because we talked about that. But then I told you I'm going to give you three things. So I'm going to give it to you. My notes says I'm giving you three things this morning. But I'm giving you three things this evening. And then these three things that I give you to, to uh, getting your heart right, you're going to have to go home and work on them. It's a part of the preparation. Write them down. Things you're going to have to be to be prepared, get due to be prepared. So you can write down to be prepared, point number one. My heart must be healed, first of all. 
if a lot of your hearts are not healed, it's time for your heart to be healed. And tonight is a good night for you to be here. Your heart has to be healed. Not bandaged. See, most of us got bandaged hearts. But you need a healed heart. Your heart has to be healed. And healing, listen, healing takes work. You know why? Because hurts hurt. It takes, it hurts, hurts. They don't go away in a day, or in a minute, or in an hour, because hurts hurts. Now some of you are going to come into a realization that things that my pastor is asking me to do, things that I might ask you to do, things that I might come up to you and ask you to do, you're not going to be able to do them because you're going to know within yourself your heart is hurting and your heart is not healed. See, I don't need to. That's what I told you. That's what my biggest struggle is with trying to get people to do what I need for them to do according to what God is saying is because of their heart issue. And you're not going to be able to do it. When I come up and ask you something, you're going to think to yourself, you don't know how my heart is my heart is all messed up but tonight you can get you can get clear follow but see you're going to have to go and work on this did you hear me i'm not I, I, i'm not going to ask you to get involved with a process that you can't do because your heart is not right now here's where the work is going to begin right here right now what i'm about to say this is the biggest thing with the heart issue. And it's the biggest work. It's the largest work. It's the hardest work. It's the hardest work. Forgiveness is what allows our heart to heal. Forgiveness. That sounds so simple, but why haven't you done it if it was simple? Forgiveness. Forgiveness. Grab a hold of this is what allows my heart to heal. The first step in your healing and restoration of your heart is to forgive. Now that is tough. Why? Because people have done stuff. (laughs) They have said stuff. You've been through stuff. And it's not easy. Things have happened. And most of the time what you've done in the past is just bandaged up your wounds and kept moving. But now, God said, no more bandages. you got to forgive. So, to be the people, us as a people and the place, this church, to be a people and a place that God can use, you got to let go and let your heart get healed. The only way your heart can heal, you have to forgive or it will never, you will always have a no good heart. You have to forgive. I don't, see, you can look back on a lot of different things. See, I don't care what it is. I don't care if it's with a past family member. I don't care if it was incest. I don't care if it was fornication. I don't care what it is. I don't care if it was a bad, you know, me and my my auntie, we had a bad. I don't care. I don't care if it was their fault. You have to forgive. You have to forgive. 
We're talking about getting your heart healed so that you can have a good heart, so that God can use you. You have to forgive. Oh, we've heard about forgiving. Yes, but you still haven't done it. Because if you've done it, God would not be teaching it. You have to forgive. Did you hear me? Now listen to me. I believe that that is the highest. A lot of our hindrances from us being used is that one thing. Unforgiveness. In this church and in the church universal. That's the number one thing to the hindrances of church. Unforgiveness. Because of unforgiveness. Now watch this. I can't see it in you. I can't point it, point it out. Why? Because it is an unseen stuff. That's why God said, tell them I'm just dealing with well. They know and I know. See, to me, all of you look like you're so forgiving and that you just forgive all the time. But God said, that's just not so. Because unforgiveness is unseen. No, now, now, now we know people that's, now, I'm not talking about people that's bucking up and everybody, but, well, we know they just, I'm talking about those that say they're walking with the Lord and want to do the will of God and asking God to use them and wanting to do that, wanting to go for I'm talking about those people. Those people, you cannot see their unforgiveness. It's unseen. It's unseen. Nobody sees and knows that but God. Unseen stuff. And I believe that there's a lot more going on on the inside of the church. When I say the church, let me put it this way. I believe there's a lot more going on on the inside of you. Because you are the church. A lot more that's going on on the inside of you than you want to admit. But I'm telling you, you're in a good place tonight that a lot of people... Let me tell you, it's many people wish they could have filled these chairs because God is here to deliver you if you want to be delivered. If you want a different heart, tonight you can have it. Because he's going to show it to you. He's going to show you just what you need to work on. Listen to me. God can't use us with a heart that is not healed. So forgiveness is the healing. And it is a process. You cannot love. You cannot love with unforgiveness in your heart. You cannot. I don't care how much you say you do. You know, I, you know, I love him, but I don't, I, you know, I, I can never forgive him for that. No, ma'am, you don't love. You cannot love with unforgiveness in your heart. And please get this. You ought to write this down. Unforgiveness, unforgiveness is bigger than the person that you're upset with. And it impacts every relationship. Unforgiveness is bigger than the person that you're upset with. It impacts every relationship that you're in. 
You wonder why you can't get along with people. You wonder why it's always something. You wonder why that because unforgiveness impacts more than you every relationship you in. That unforgiveness is always right there. It's just like grief. It's a stalker. It's gonna always be right there. But we can walk around with unforgiveness. Why? Because it's unseen. Because it's unseen. Some people have walked around for years and years and years with unforgiveness. You can, do you know you can walk around with unforgiveness for years? I've walked around with unforgiveness almost for a whole year. But you can go you can have unforgiveness for years. Walking around with it. Why? Because it's unseen. And you and, and because it's not seen, it doesn't mean it's not there. It's there. See, because you can't see it, don't mean it's not there. It's there. Just because you don't see dirt, don't mean that it's not, the dirt's not there. Did you hear me? Uh, let me just give you an example, and maybe it'll come a little clear, well, so we'll understand that, how this works. You know, a lot of people buy white cars, and they buy it for a reason. Because it's not, not just really you just excited about a white car. You know, you like red. Which, you, know, that's that. you know, you like different colors and things. But do you know how a lot of people buy white cars? Because they don't show dirt. And you know what? To us, we think like this. Well, now, you know, when I first... When, you know, Pastor Hill had told me that. He said, you know, white cars don't show dirt. And in, in your concept, in your thought, you think... Mm, seem like white shows everything dirt. No. No, dark cars show dirt. Black cars show filth. But white cars don't show any dirt. A white car can sit right up in there and have a sleek smell uh, all across it, a whole film of dirt. And you can't even tell. Because it goes from white to a little beige, and it's still, but it's dirty. But it's dirty. But a black car, you see all the dirt. And some white cars, you can't even tell they're dirty. Let somebody run their fingers over it or something. But other, just looking at it, every time you see a white car, don't they look clean? And they're dirty. A lot of them are dirty, but you can't tell. And black, everything's going to show up on it because everything's lighter than black. Why do I need, why do I have black cars working harder? Not smarter. But white cars, listen, white cars, they have the same amount of dirt. But you can't tell because it's very hard. And some people, they buy white cars all their life for only that reason. But then the God showed me something in that. He said, you know what? There's a lot of white cars in the church. We got white cars. You look clean. With a whole film of dirt on it. But nobody can see it. Nobody can see it. 
because you look like a white car. But the dirt is there. See, on the white car, the dirt is there. When it rains and when we get up in the morning and my black car is looks like it's got white stuff all over it and dirt, the white car have the same thing, but it doesn't look the same. It looks like the white car is still clean. God said, so it is with the church. Just a church full of white cars. So then you have to ask yourself, am I a white car? The dirt's there. Just can't see it. Got a nice coat of dirt on you. But you can't see it. I believe it. If God said it is true. I believe it. We have that in the church. A lot of us are white cars. Now God has saved us and redeemed us and we're not sinning openly. We're not doing drugs. We're not fornicating anymore. I'm a married woman now. So are you not fornicating anymore? Not getting high. But as a white car, you can hide a little bit of dirt. But you really are not clean. On the inside. See, we talk, remember what we're talking about. Don't lose sight. Whenever I give examples, don't lose sight because I'm giving the example of what we're talking about. See, you're not clean on the inside. Unseen things. Did you hear me unseen? I believe in my heart that if God would take a poll and show it to us of the body of Christ, the body of Christ universal, I think we'd be shocked at the percentage of people walking around with unforgiveness in the church. I'm not talking about sinners. I'll tell you what I'm talking about sinners. I'm talking about believers. We'd be totally shocked. You'd look around the room and God would show you everybody that have their hands lifted that have unforgiveness in their heart. Hmm. And because of that unforgiveness, your heart is not healed. People in new marriages still got unforgiveness from the last marriage. People in new families still upset about the last family. Just unforgiveness. Still mad about something that's dead and gone. It's, that, that, that's been over with. Y'all aren't even in that situation no more. But still bring it up. Listen, it's just unforgiveness. But you can't hide it from God. You can hide it from us just like the white car. You can hide it from us because you are a white car, but you can't hide it from God. 
You can't hide it from God. Now let me tell you what it means to forgive. Forgive, it means to let go. Write it down. Forgiveness means to let go. Your heart can't heal until you let it go. And it's not easy to let it go. If it was easy, you would have done, you've done it already. You haven't done it because it's not that easy. And you're holding on it to it for a reason. Healing not only means to let go, but it means to leave it alone. Healing means to leave it alone. Forgiving means to leave it alone. Just leave it alone. You know, when, when you're hurting, how many of you know when you're hurting, it's hard to leave something alone? You want to keep messing with it. You just want to keep messing. Let me tell you what they did. Well, let me tell you what they said. Let me show you, uh, you know, mm -mm, you just don't know. It's just hard to leave it alone. And forgiveness is leaving it alone, letting it go and leave it. No, let me tell you. And, And let me give you an example of that too, so you'll know. Have you ever had a sore on you somewhere? And you, you, why do you, you keep pressing it? You be like, ooh, this hurt. Ooh. 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 Leave it alone. And you be like, ooh. Ooh. And let me tell you, I got a flu shot. I I don't know how anybody looks at any needles because what the devil? Oh, Lord. Oh. And, and you, that wasn't nothing. Well, okay, for some people, you don't get it. But, it, and let me tell you. And and my veins are very small, and when I have to go do blood work, they oh, they miss a thousand times. I'll be like, Father, do I need to come home? Do they have to stick? And then they, oh, we didn't get it. We got to take it back out. No. And everything. Oh, God, this one lady, she was nice. And, oh, three of them came in there. She kept bringing people in, and, I, and then they do the butterfly here, and then they try me here, and then they try me there. And I said, I drank as much water as I can. You know, you're supposed to drink water. And they there, and they're just in there. I kept, you, you, you know, it hurts. But if you just leave it alone, I just keep touching it, and, oh, and it hurts so much right now. You know what? Even right now, if I could push it hard enough, I could still feel it. See, you're messing with it. That's how we do. You know, it's over. It's done. But we won't let it go and leave it alone. That's how we do with different things in our life. We keep pressing on it. We keep pressing. We keep talking about it. We keep touching it. Just like do. Ooh, ooh. You know, and then you even go to the point where it's almost here and you'll be like well I can still feel it if I press real hard I can still feel it just still messing with it and you know you'll be like well I guess that I guess that feel and you you just keep you won't let it go same the way you do forgiveness you whatever somebody done whatever they do you want to keep talking about it you want to keep complaining about it you want to keep showing up you just keep talking about it or just keep pressing on it keep the the what did I say did it mean to let go leave it alone why hurt hurts why do you keep pressing on what hurts we do it all the time. It hurts and you still, ooh, that hurts. 
Ooh, and you squeezed it. Ooh, it hurt right here. Ooh, ooh, do yours hurt? Ooh, ooh, where do yours hurt at? Mine too, because we just won't let it go. We do the exact thing unforgiveness. We just keep talking about it. And then every, then every, you go out a couple of days, and then you come back, and you're talking about it again. That's pressing on it. Not leaving it alone. Your heart will never be healed. You just keep going on and on. Well, remember when this happened? Remember when that happened? Pressing. 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 There's no healing until you let it go and leave it alone. There will be no healing in your heart until you let it go and leave it alone. See, once I hear you not talking about it anymore, you've left it alone. Why is it that we have to talk about that all the time? Why do you keep pressing on that? Why? Because it hurts. We love to press on what hurts. Another meaning of forgiveness. It means to give up the debt. Give up the debt. See, unforgiveness, unforgiving will linger in your heart. Why? Because you feel like somebody owes you. They owe me something. They owe me an apology. They owe me an explanation. They owe me. They, they need, no, no, they need to come to me. They owe me. I didn't start it, so they, I'm not about to call them. They need to come to me. They owe me. They started it. You, you keep thinking someone owes you. Your heart will never be healed that way. It means to give up the debt. Whatever you think they owe you, give it up. And your heart can't heal. But this is the thing about that. Every day that you get up thinking about that somebody owes you, listen to me closely. And as long as you feel like you are old and you are in, you, you are always going to be in a deficit. You're going to be in a deficit to help anybody else. You won't be able to help anybody else. You, you're going you're gonna to be in a deficit every time. You won't be able to be. You won't be able for God to use you. How can He use you? You're in a deficit. You're not going to help. You're not going to help anybody. You're in trouble. You're not going to help anybody else. Let me show you how powerful that thing is. The, in the, with the disciples in Matthew chapter six. Are you there? In Matthew chapter six. <clears throat> Uh, let's begin. Oh, I'm over here in Ezra. Matthew chapter 6. You all are already there, right? And this is where the disciples asked Jesus to teach them to pray. Now listen. Master, teach us to pray. Now, the Lord's Prayer, everybody loves to quote the Lord's Prayer. But do we really listen to it? Tonight, let's really listen to it. Let's listen to it. Are you with me? 6, beginning at verse 9. 
After this manner, therefore, pray ye, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Remember what it means. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever. Amen. Most people want to stop there. But continue on. you got to continue on. Because he just said, if you don't forgive a debt, I'm not forgiving you a debt. See, we do all sorts of things. But listen, let, 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 let's, keep, let, let's keep reading. For if you forgive men, where, where, yeah. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive you your trespasses. See, we always want to stop, but right there, when he was teaching them to pray, he took them in verses 14 and 15 right back into that prayer. So they wouldn't take it lightly. He said, now, I told you how to pray, but now if you go away and you don't forgive, neither will I forgive you. In other words, you're not gonna, if you're not gonna forgive us, you know, someone their debt, I won't forgive you yours. And see, we do all sorts of things against His will, and we want Him to leave it alone and give up the debt. God, just forgive me, God, and just let it go, God. Yeah, yeah, just bless me, God, let's not, mm, Jesus paid it all. You know, we love, we can get religious. Thank you, Lord, Jesus paid it all. Oh, Father, thank you. Wash me with the rose. Wash me. Wash, Father, thank you. Your blood. Wash me white as snow. Doing everything against his will. Father, thank you that you don't judge me. Hmm. Lord, you know me. God's like, I sure do. Oh, just listen. Yes, thank you, Father. Pastor, he was teaching them. Just leave it alone. God, I'm going to get it right. I'm going to get it right. See, we do all of that. But then somebody do something to us. <laughs> and we ain't trying to forgive that debt. we like, I know darn better. If they think they're going to get away with that, and they think I'm just going to chum up to them after that, you've got to be kidding me. We grit our teeth on that. Because we don't want to give up the debt. You did something to me. You need to pay. You hurt me. I'm going to squeeze that hurt. Even if it's going away, I'm going to do it tight till I can just feel it. You know, I can kind of feel that. <laughs> no, really, I can feel that flu shot. <laughs> you know, if I just squeeze it hard enough, I can feel it deep down in there. Say, I'm telling you the truth. 
people to do something to us, we are not doing But we don't take this scripture seriously. He said, fine, don't forgive them. But don't come asking me to forgive you. I just told you I would not. So how are we walking around with unforgiveness and think God is doing anything for us? He's not. I love when he put them back in that prayer. Church, tonight we have to do the hard things, letting things go. I know, it sounds so easy, don't it? But if it was that easy, why haven't you done it? It's the hard things, letting it alone, letting it be, moving on. Some of you, you've been talking all weekend about that same stuff because you got unforgiveness. You're talking to your friends, you're talking to your family, you're talking to the... I'm telling you, you've got a no good heart. And God is trying to say, listen, you've got to leave it long, let it go. Leave, leave it long and count it gone. Just leave it long and count it gone. Let it go. Leave it alone. Stop touching it. Stop talking about it. If you want your heart to be healed. The Holy Spirit is real, and He's the helper, and He wants to help your infirmities. He knows where you're weak at, but He cannot help your infirmities unless you are willing to let it go. Again, He's not the doer. You're the doer. He's the helper. He's going to help you in your weaknesses to get you there. Don't ask Him to do it. He's not a doer. So the Holy Spirit will not and cannot heal your heart if you keep afflicting wounds in your heart. The more you talk about you inflicting wounds in your heart, you won't let it be. God can't use you. Your heart is in a broken state. Church, when I forgive, letter A, God can trust me. So if you're walking with unforgiveness, God don't even trust you. God can't trust you. God cannot trust us if He can't, you can't forgive. Why? Because if you can't forgive, if God sends you to someone to minister to them, to heal them from their hurts, and if they come against you in any way, you're gonna be in unfor- you're gonna be in unforgiveness with them. You're going to be right back in that stage. Now I'm mad at them. And God said, well, I can't trust you to do that. I'm trying to get them out of the hurt and going to send it to you and you're walking in unforgiveness. Well, as soon as they do something that you don't like, you're not going to forgive them either. God said, no, thank you. Can't use you. I can't use you. You get bent out of shape and then it's all over again. Then he's then letter B. When you forgive, you can move forward. Have you noticed you haven't been able to move forward? Have you noticed you haven't been able to move forward? When you forgive, you'll be able to move forward. There will be no moving forward until you forgive. Here's the thing. When I don't forgive, ooh, mm, mm, mm. I want you to stop writing so you can hear this. 
When you don't forgive, you dwell, everybody say dwell, in the day of your hurt until you let it go. What do I mean by that? I say you dwell. What does the word dwell mean? You live in. I don't care. You can, go, you can live for a whole, for years, you can all live in the day you was hurt. So when you dwell there, that means there is no new day for you. You're living in that. You're living in that day of hurt. Listen to me. Every day for you is the day that you got hurt. Every day for you, because you're dwelling in that day, is the day you got hurt. You're dwelling there. There is no new day. There is no moving forward. That's why you won't let it go and you're still talking about it and you won't stop talking about it. That's why you're still in it because you won't let it go. I'm just going to stay in the past. The only way to move forward, you have to let it go. That's the only way. You'll never move forward anywhere. See, I can't move forward as long as I'm holding on to this pulpit. I cannot move forward. I can't go anywhere. As long as I'm, uh-oh, as long as it's here, I can't. It's not until I let it go. Not can go around and move forward. But as long as I'm holding on, I'm dwelling in that same day, that same hurt. That's why when you argue, have you noticed, the, it comes back up. That same day. Yeah, well, I remember when you did. I remember when you did. Uh, don't let the head do the shakedown. That really shows your heart's bad. If you get that head turning and that arms folding, you in that day and can't come out and don't have a new one and been that way in that day for year after year after year after year if it's somebody in your family that you've been mad at and haven't forgiven let me tell you you're in that day while I'm talking right now that day is in your head that day you you thinking about it ooh I ain't trying to forget ooh Lord Mm-mm-mm. they were wrong for that no God is not dealing with who was wrong God is dealing with you getting your heart healed Well, I'll tell you one thing. My child's father. (laughs) Or my child's mother. (laughs) I ain't heard nothing from them. They ain't seen their children. I was like, I'm not dealing with that. I'm dealing with your heart. Why are you mad? Why are you mad? Because every decision that you made, you made it on your own. But God said, I'm trying to heal your heart. You got to let it go and leave it alone. Say, well, okay. So you're going to keep living that? You'll be 60 and still living that. Now, there's one thing about your founding pastor, and he taught me that. I'm telling you, he taught me so much in life. He was a forgiving man. He was a... I remember... (laughs) I was laughing the other night. I was thinking about it how sometimes I used to try to play mad in the bed and stuff. And he's always, he was always warm. So, and my feet were cold and everything. I said, excuse me, can I put my feet on your back? <laughs> and he always would let me. My feet were cold too. And he'd be like, oh God, this woman. Can I put my feet on your back and warm my feet? 
and he'd let me, and then he'd rub them. Ooh, I miss that man. But, but, I was just thinking about that, but he was a forgiving man. And he taught me that. He said, Al, no ma'am, no ma'am. Forgive. Forgive. Just he can forgive and he can let it go. And I was like, I want to do that. I want to know how he does that. He would not live in it. You don't have to live like you're living. Let me tell you, a lot of your problems and your issues and your situations that you have right now is because you're unforgiving. And see, you think you have a right because the wrong was done to you. But no, no. That's not the way God works. That's the way the world works. That's not the way God works. God said, I don't care. I want your heart good. I want your heart free. I don't care what they've done. I want you to forgive. I want you to give up the debt. Say, Lord, you know what? This debt is, this, no, I'm not. And this is the sad part. You're going to hold on to the debt and they're going to be free. And you be like, I, you, you mean to tell, you're going to be in heaven and be, I know better. I know he ain't up in the front. What the devil? I know she, what? What? Yeah, because you, let me tell you, you, it's not what you think. Again, unforgiveness is bigger than the person you're mad at. The person that you're upset with is bigger. It affects every area of your life. Just be free. You ought to want to be free. Amen. And then, see, when I forgive, now I can be used and we want to be used. Now, again, this is inside work I'm talking about. Well, Pastor, you don't know what happened. You don't know what they did. Again, this is inside uh, unseen work on the inside that God is dealing with you about. I don't have to know that. As long as you're trying to convince someone, listen, else, that why you ought not to forgive, you're not going to do the work of the Lord. He's not, God's not going to use you. Every time you try to talk to somebody about what somebody's done to you, you're trying to convince them that you have a right to stay in unforgiveness. Can you believe they did this to me? And they did that. You're trying to convince people to stay in unforgiveness. You'll never be used by God, and your heart will never be healed. Never. Trying to justify that you have a right to feel the way you feel? No. You go to work complaining, you come home complaining, and you complain about the magnitude of what they've done and how they did it, and you can walk it through it. Comparing it with somebody else, you're not going to be able to do the work. And then you even said to yourself, you know what, I would like to forgive him, but you know what, too much has happened to me, for me to, to, to even think on that. That's not doing the work. I don't care what happened to you. That's not doing the work. As long as you stay in that state, God can't trust you. As long as you stay in the state, you can't move forward. As long as you stay in the state, you're not going to be used. At some point, you have to let it go and leave it alone. Just let it go and leave it alone. As long as you're in that state, guess what? You'll never be a blessing to your family. 
Never. You're going to be a torment to your spouse. A torment to your spouse. You, I'm telling you, as long as you're in that state, you cannot be a blessing to those that's in need. You cannot. You will not. And guess what? I don't care how you bounce a baby. I don't care how much you feed a baby. I don't care how much you dress a baby. I don't care how much you cuddle them, kiss them, love them, everything. You will never be a blessing to your children walking in unforgiveness. You will not. Your job is to let it go. Your job is to let it alone. But guess what? Everything that I'm talking about is unseen. Only you and God know. Because to me, all of y'all look so forgiving. Look like I can slap all of y'all and y'all forgive me. Just the way you look. Because see, it's unseen. Only you and God. Go to Psalms 51. Now here's the thing about inside work. Nobody knows about the work you have to do but you and God. Nobody knows about it. But you and God. To be prepared to be used by God, number two, your heart must be cleansed. Your heart must be cleansed. Did you hear me? If you're going to be used by God, your heart has to be cleansed. Let me tell you, if my heart is not clean, God cannot use me. God is looking for a pure heart, a clean heart. God is looking for a good heart. Listen, when somebody have a clean heart, listen, when somebody has a pure heart, you can see it. I can. You can too. You can see a person with a clean heart. But here's the part that we forget. Now, all of us can see someone and say, you know what, they have a good heart. You could even see people that you don't really know that well, but you'd be like, oh, you know what? They have a good heart. You can see it. There's everyone in here that knows someone that they may not know real well, but you know they have a good heart. You'll say it. You'd be like, oh, you know what? I met them the first time. The first time you know, you could tell they have a good heart. You can tell. You can see it. You can see it. And you will even say to yourself, Ooh, I know they, have a, they really have a good heart. I'm not saying that they're sinless and that. I'm just saying you can see when a person has a good heart. You can kind of feel the quality of the condition of their heart. Like, you know what, they are... They are, they are. And I'm not talking about because somebody gave you something. Or then you be like, oh, they got a good heart. No, you just got something. I'm talking about you just really see people. You be like, you know what? They have a good heart. I mean, a first time reaction, you can look at them and just say, oh my goodness, they have a good heart. Well, you can do that same thing with a bad heart. And 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 now this is how you say it. This is the part we forget. You can look at a person and you see them and you, you can tell they have a good heart. You can look at a person and also see they have a bad heart. Because guess what? None of us, none of us have tinted glass. It's all clear. All of us have clear glass. 
so you can see it. Now see, I can't see your unforgiveness of that. I'm talking about, now I'm talking about seeing a person with a good heart or a not so good heart. Because this is what we say. You can meet somebody and things are not right and you be like, yeah, but I can't put my finger on it. But uh, something that just ain't right. Ah. Where you can look at somebody and say, oh, they got a they got a good heart, and then you some uh, you you're not calling them evil. You'd be like, you know, they were not was talking, but it's just something. Nobody have a tinted glass. You can see it. You can't say exactly what it is, the specific thing, but it's something that makes clicks in you to just say, hmm, hmm. It's just they, yeah, but it's just something about them. The issue is you can just see that something is just not right in them. Have you ever done that? I have. You can just tell when a person is right. And when they're wrong. and it's not so much of what they say. I'm telling you, that's why it's important to be full of the Holy Spirit. That's why it's important. If you want to be used in the restoration of those that God loves and those that are hurting, let me tell you, you're going to have to know what, know when something is not right, and know when it's right. When it's saying, uh, it's something, I can't put my finger on it, but something. That's why you have to do like David did. Look at what he said in Psalm 51, verse 1. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my, my, my iniquities and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against thee and thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight. That thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, thou desirest truth in my inward parts, and in the hidden parts thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Purge me with a hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness, that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide thy face from my sins, and blot out all of mine iniquities. Listen, the word of God washes us. But we need to be in a position to be made clean. See, the Word washes you, but you've got to position yourself to be made clean on the inside. You know how you clean your heart? You have to repent. Let's get the cleaning going. Repent. You see, again, this is unseen work. In some cases, you need to repent. And nobody knows you need to repent, but you in God. 
How many of you know that there can be things and times that you need to repent, but you haven't because you, you haven't been caught? See, it's things that you need to repent about and things you need to get straight. But see, you haven't been caught. So you don't feel the need. You haven't been caught. Did you hear me? <laughs> yeah, that'll make you think about it. Nathan, see, nobody, Nathan haven't come up to you and say, Thou art the man. See, you haven't been caught. So you don't feel the need. Now, I, you have to acknowledge it to God. We, you need to go home and, and read over what David said. He acknowledged something to God. You don't have to go into a booth. You don't have to do any of that. You don't have to pull a curtain or confess to a man. But, and, you know, that, that ain't this type of room. But you must acknowledge what is on the inside to God. Here's the thing. He already knows. He wants you to know. And if you will humble yourself enough and truthfully enough to tell him what is going on on the inside. See, that's acknowledging. Because what you're doing and what you're doing that nobody else sees, it's not revelation for you to tell God. It's not like God's going to say, oh my God, I didn't know you did that. No, it's for you. He knows already. You need to hear it. Because sometimes you get in that, you act like, oh my God, you haven't done anything. Get in there and acknowledge it to God. He already knows. He wants you to know. Do you know that you've transgressed? Are you humble enough? Are you truthful enough to say, God, this is really me on the inside? Can you say that to him? See, this is not what the church members know. They don't know this about me. See, this is between you and God. They don't know this about me. My parents don't know this about me. My family. This is not what my family thinks because they don't know nothing, none of this about me. It's not what my neighbors think because they don't know either. This is between me and God. But this, you know about me. And this is where I'm not clean. And I want to be clean. I want to be clean. Let her be. Ooh, I'm out of time. But no, I'm going to finish this, this last page. When I repent, letter B, I reconsider my current course. In other words, I reconsider the things I committed to be, and I do it on the inside. I have to do it. I committed myself to do something. I got to do it. How many of you know you can commit to be and do on the inside, and, you, and it haven't shown up yet? You can commit to do something on the inside, but it hasn't shown up here. But you already said on the inside, listen, I'm doing this. I'm going to change. I'm going to change some things. See, you're committing it on the inside and you're saying it, but are you doing it? See, there's a list of things that God can change. Then there's a list of things that you can change. 
know, I ain't gonna be soft. I ain't gonna be. I ain't gonna be no punk. I'm. I'm. I ain't doing. You know. I'm. You know, I ain't letting people run over me. It's not about that. Lord, I love folks, but you know what? I hug them and that. But that's a limit. Because you faithful. We wall builders. I'm committed to do the will of God. So we can talk it. When I repent, let her see I turn around. That means I truly turn around. I turn around. I truly turn around. I turn towards righteousness in my heart. There are things that can turn to righteousness, not because... You see, you, let me tell you, you can never turn to righteousness because you got caught. That won't turn... You, see, you, it'll look like it, but God and you know on the inside. You cannot turn to righteousness because you got caught. You can't turn to righteousness because you don't have nowhere else to go. You can't turn to righteousness because I want my parents to do something for me. Or someone to do something for me. Listen, turn around after capture is not really repentance. Turning around after you've been captured is not real repentance. God needs some of us to turn around. Last example I want to give you. It's a place where I drive and they have a camera to catch you, check you from speeding and stuff. And, 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 and I was riding one day and was driving. And everybody knows where this camera is, I guess, is driving. Because as we were approaching it, everybody started hitting their brakes because the camera's there. And I was thinking to myself, let me hit my brakes because I know that camera's there too. And that day when I hit my brakes and we I went around the curve, I looked, that camera wasn't there. You know what I said? I said, I didn't even need to slow down. My heart wasn't right. My, no, my heart wasn't right. That was not right. I was thinking, well, if the camera wasn't there, I could have kept going. I, I could have... Because, see, the camera would have captured me. See, what I get caught. See, getting caught on the camera made me slow down. And then, you know, God will minister to you in anything. God says, see, that's the problem right there. I don't want you to do right because of a camera. You do right because it's right to do because it's the law. So my, my, I was not right. My heart wasn't right toward the law of the land. And then I had the audacity. I, I mean, Hickamasai and Ta-Ta-Tai and Pastor Hill, a.k.a. Sister Hill, hallelujah. Anyhow, God's woman talking about, I didn't even have to slow down. I should have just kept going. No, because it wasn't right to do. That's a heart issue. God dealt with me. He said, I don't want you slowing down because of a camera. I want you... And, and this is what he's saying to us tonight. You need to slow down. Not because you think you're going to get caught. Because you want to do something different. 
speeding, thinking you're going to get away with something. You're never going to get away things with God. You don't, and don't try to. And then we have to guard our hearts. If, we, if we're going to be healed, you've got to guard your heart. And we're going to pick up next week with guarding your heart. Again, we're not trying to guard in your heart. You, you, you know, if, if you have an unguarded heart, you can't be healed. We, we're not talking about bandaging up wounds. We got too much garbage in our hearts. We have too much unforgiveness in our hearts. Our hearts are wounded. And it's time for us to get all the junk out. See, we, 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 we done put so much stuff in there, so much Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. It's, our hearts are just full of everything. All those types of things, just full of it. All the corrupt communication and people talking corrupt and you laughing about them talking. All that stuff in there. Backbiting. Talking down. Talking about your pastor. Talking about your pastor's wife. Talking about, talk, just talking about people in church. Talking about your in-laws, talking about your, your, your father-in-law, daughter-in-law, son-in-law, mother-in-law. Talking about all, all of that is in the heart. How, and tell me this, how do you ever think you're going to be healed with all that vile stuff going in? All of that vile, disgusting stuff is all cluttered up in your heart. And you think that you're hearing from God daily. And you think he's answering your prayer. Let me tell you, somebody else has been praying for you. So let's ask God tonight to clean our hearts. Stand to your feet. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.com.